Singh, thanks very much for coming to talk. One of the things that has I've been thinking about, knowing that we were going to be talking to, today, was what a wonderful Hong Kong moment this is. Because 47 years ago, there were you aligned with the anti-colonial forces in Hong Kong. And there was I, 5 Troop Commander, L Company, 42 Commander Royal Marines, in the new territories, ready uh -huh. to rush in and uh, put you all in jail, uh, if necessary. And yet I, here we are, I, having I, I, a civil I think the PRA were, were in uh, Shenzhen, ready to rush in to, to save us. <laughs> I mean, see, that's a very interesting thing, because, because I mean, you on record, when you're talking about this, talk about the, the wrongs of the colonial system and the inappropriate strength of the response. I was on the other side, and I can remember what was dominant in my mind was the complete madness that was going on across the border. Right. And a right. genuine fear right. that that madness was going to break out here. Right. Uh, who would want that to happen to Hong Kong? Yes. Uh, well, of course, um, um, I know that some people were very much hurt by what happened in 1967. I know that uh, a lot that happened then uh, are still very much in their memory. But uh, still, for the community at large, I'm glad that um, most of us have put those things behind us. Do you think that, that, that the activities that you and your brother and your sister and everybody who was aligned, in effect, against the colonial regime were actually positive? It focused minds? That's quite right. I think, I think, I think um, the 67 riots would not have been... Uh, would not have gone to such a massive scale if there had not been uh, all kinds of social conflicts already there. I mean, of course, it always started with uh, you know the labor disputes, right? right? And then, of course, um, uh, we were inspired by the uh, Red Guards movement in, in, in on the mainland, right? The Cultural Revolution. That, that's quite true. But but the resentment was there. The conflict between the between labour and the uh, and, and 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 their employers, and also the colonial government, you know. And and you are quite right. I think after the uh, late 1960s, the British government, I think, actually changed the whole way they governed Hong Kong. But then, looking back at the power of capital over labour in the 1960s, what's changed? Well, I don't know, very little, <laughs> I guess, very little, I guess, because actually after the Cultural Revolution ended on the mainland, uh, it seemed that um, the, the Chinese government decided to keep the, uh, what, the capitalist system in Hong Kong unchanged. They knew we couldn't sort of... Um, resolve the uh, uh, capitalist labor conflict in Hong Kong through um, violent struggles. But not right? through politics either now, uh, that in the end the way in which things are being stacked up over the election committee, etc., it's, it's simply they, they, entrenching they, old power. Well, this is something quite baffling to someone like me who sort of grew up believing that, uh, that, that, that I was a, a socialist, right? But here we are, 
in one country, two systems, we are supposed to do our best to maintain the capitalist system in Hong Kong. So the conflict with you then is, is much more between your socialist heart and your nationalist heart. Perhaps, yes. But, but then, of course, um, what, what has happened in China in the last three or four decades, I mean, in the 35 years after, after the Cultural Revolution, really set most of us thinking about the, um, the sort of um, socialist ideology we used to believe in. Perhaps there is some, is an, there is an element of truth in the saying, was it, was it, was it Winston Churchill said this? Any, any 20 year old who doesn't believe in socialism has no heart. Any 40 year old who doesn't, uh, you know, abandon socialism has no brain. That's always been to me an enormous red rag to the bull. I mean, Tony Benn has just died. Here's a man of clear brain who was never persuaded that his heart when he was young was wrong. Uh, I'm inclined that way myself, that uh -huh. anybody with any brain in their 40s who doesn't understand that massive inequalities are socially incredibly damaging is... Of course. Of course, I, I, I mean, although I'm now in my late 60s, I think I can understand very well why our young people, the young people in Hong Kong, feel so angry. When you look at what's happening around us, when, when you see, you know, elderly people, six, 70 years old, 80 years old, they're having to collect cardboard. cardboard boxes to maintain the living. What's happening here? We're, we're such an affluent society, you see. Here we are. We, we've talked about this massive inequality, the problems that we're facing. And yet, right. at present, there is this lively debate over the selection of the next chief executive, where, as it were, your side of the argument is insisting that, more or less, we're going to have to retain the skew to the decision-making system that was inherited from the, from the colonial period yes. that ensures that the fat cats rule the roost. That's, I guess that's capitalism. <laughs> I mean, uh, you see, uh, I, I believe that uh, many people think, many people would think that uh, a uh, democratically uh, formed government should pay more attention to social equity, for example. Yeah. Well, isn't that a hope, really? Not so much that there is a dominant force that can do that, but you've actually got a plural system that prevents any one side doing whatever it likes. But that, that, that should be the whole, the, the main point of democracy, isn't it? Mm. Huh? Yeah. yeah but, but, then, but then if we look at what has been happening in the, uh, you know, mature democratic countries, like the United States. I, I've, I've read a lot of, of, of uh, articles pointing out the increasing um, disparity, polarization of, of, of society in, in, in America as well. That, that, that's what is so poignant about the discussion about the election committee at the moment. 
that it's about something very similar. <laughs> well, my, my, my position is, well, let, let's get there first. Uh, I mean, there must be a lot uh, we should do and a lot we can do to sort of improve what um, improve a, a democratically uh, constituted uh, system to make sure that it will um, ensure better uh, uh, social justice, social equality. But but then we have to we have to reach uh, that goal first of all. getting the authorities in Beijing to say, look chaps, whatever we're going to agree in this next few months, it's not set in stone. I think that's the most sensible thing to do. The reality, of course, is uh, first, if that is going to be the absolutely final goal, then it, it, it would be much harder for everybody to arrive at a consensus. Sure. Second, well, our our society is changing so quickly the world is changing so quickly mm. how can we say that this is set in stone oh, we, we but this I mean doesn't make lurking sense. around in the back of my mind then, it's yeah. this terrible weasel word which I feel is grossly abused patriotism it doesn't mean surely that that person has to endorse a single mode of government and I was thinking about it and I wondered whether this is a residuum of actually a completely different way of seeing governmental authority where in, at present, if you like, the central government has got the mandate of heaven and therefore it's proper for every good Chinese person to recognize where that mandate rests. Perhaps it is here that we see a really significant um, cultural uh, difference. You look at, look at the history of China. For, for, for the last 4,000 years, China has remained a united country I for most part, most yeah, part of the... It's very interesting because if you read John Kay's history of China, which came out three or four years ago, and he said, look, it's quite possible, mm -hmm. he wasn't saying, I am going to, right. he said it's quite possible to tell the history of China as of a culture that has spent more time disunited than united. I, 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 think, I think the unity uh, exists the unity has always existed in the form of a, 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 well, a sense of identity with, well, with, with the central kingdom. Mm -hmm. We are uh, members of, of the central kingdom. Right? We have been ruled by... Mongols? Yes, and... And Kublai Khan? Right. Yeah. And, and, What's and it the Manchus. It's Manchus, right? Yeah. Right. But when they, you know, uh, 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 came to the mainland, they became part of our culture and part of our civilization, mm -hmm. right? So Ch Chinese or Cantonese? I mean, th there is. If I mean, I think of myself as a European, and if I were Portuguese, I'd know there was a difference between me and Italian, even though they're both Romance languages. You see, I was born in Canton and brought up in Hong Kong. But very often, 
when I say apply for uh, um, a membership um, of a, a Chinese organization, mm -hmm. right, or apply for the, 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 any 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 even even for a traveling document uh, in China, right? right? I have to fill in what is called my place of origin. I think it is, mm, yeah. and it is Shunde. I, I've never been there. I was, I was not born there. My father was not born there. And I don't think my grandfather was. Anyway, we, we several gener generations ago, we somehow associated ourselves with that place. And after that, my child, my, even though she was, was born in Hong Kong, still always puts in. Do you see that as always trumping hmm? any tendency to reply, I'm from Hong Kong, from a point of view of, of Hong Kong's political and social future. This is actually a it's terribly a bad thing. This is, oh, but this, how, I mean, but how can is, we think of ourselves but, as Hong but, Kongers but, but it is, it if is, we can never use exactly, that as an entry point? Exactly, it's, but this is what it is. I mean, and this, and this, coming back to your earlier question, this is what we mean by uh, patriotism. We always remember our own country. And, and the fact is, of course, first, um, the, at the present moment, uh, the country of China happens to be under the rule of the Communist Party. Mm. Second, uh, again, at the present moment, uh, we do not see any viable alternative. Mm. So if many have uh, sort of predicted that the Communist Party will fall apart very soon. But if that happens, we cannot see anything but disaster mm -hmm. right, befalling China. But that's so, so there is a sense of the mandate? It, it's a choice of history. Mm. Our history, and China's history in the last uh, century or so, uh, uh, developed in such a way that uh, you know, we have a uh, government led by the Communist Party here. Mm -hmm. Can I pick up on that word communist? I mean, I don't see any aspect of the ruling body in China that I would recognise as communist. I mean, I taught Marxist politics for 15, 20 years, and... I see what uh, you mean, yeah. I, I can't see anything communist about it. It's, it's an mean. authoritarian, centralist, nationalist party. But then, uh, I think there is a paucity of... Um, uh, theoretical ideological uh, development on communism in the last um, century or so, right. I, I think. I mean, uh, well... Well, as I, Marx I, said, I'm no Marxist. It, it, exactly. I mean, I think, I think it is the essence of Marxist philosophy that, um, you know, uh, we have to adapt the theory to changes that that are always taking place um, in the world around us. What was bothering me there is this idea of uh, a society and its political and public presence being all about a shallow rhetoric that floats on the surface but doesn't have to have substantive meaning. Maybe, but, but, but it has worked. And so indeed, in the last 35 years, the um, uh, Chinese people, they have never seen 
uh, such good days before. And so most of them are satisfied, most of them are, are, are happy. And you see, at present, I think the, uh, the academic uh, world in, 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 in China, the academic community in China, it's, it's quite lively with all kinds of debates, right? Yeah. Whether, whether it's a chi China model right. or, should, or should China only follow the steps of the Western uh, 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 countries in its modernization uh, uh, endeavors. Uh, and, uh, and then now, here is uh, Xi Jinping talking about the modernization of uh, governance. Mm. You know, but amidst all this uh, debate about modernization, the call for democracy is very uh, clearly uh, uh, audible, I think. We're not really talking about democracy, we're talking about pluralism, I think. Uh, this idea of pluralism certainly appear, appeals very much to me. I, well, I've sometimes asked my, my friends very um, questions which are very um, uh, politically incorrect. I would say, look, I, I think it's, it's, it's better for China to allow Taiwan to sort of break away and allow yeah. Tibet to break away. Yeah. Much less trouble for us. Why? Why? But no. I couldn't say this in public. <laughs> right. Yeah, you said that was totally you, incorrect. You, you'd be a sinner for but 10,000 again, years, no, no question. <laughs> but again, again, perhaps this um, sort of revolts against the idea of, of one big united central kingdom, mm -hmm. uh, which uh, that is why, you know, back in, uh, I think, late, the late 1970s, when when the question of Hong Kong's future after 1997 was, was actually brought up by the British yeah. uh, in Beijing, yeah. in front of Deng Xiaoping, everyone was thought in Hong Kong, well, with the sort of pragmatism Deng Xiaoping was preaching, certainly, he would not, he would disregard 1997 and would allow British, the British to continue ruling Hong Kong, you know, yeah. given the, the, the success of Hong Kong. And his, his reply was it was immediately to re remember some past Chinese emperor who gave something away. Exactly. And I, I'm going to go down history as one of those. Exactly. No. no chance. Yeah. So that is why this idea of, of, of sovereignty, the integrity of the uh, sovereignty is so important. Mm. Uh, and of course, that's in the uh, first chapter in our basic law or in the introduction of basic law, right? right. But, so that's a very interesting bottom line, because you would think in a, in a pluralist society, you mentioned Britain earlier, here they are anxiously in debate about whether part of a hitherto united kingdom yes. disunites yes. itself and becomes a separate entity. And this seems almost definitive of what it is to be a mature society that you can talk about breaking up. It's like divorce. You know, Civilised people can divorce. Not to Chinese, not to the Chinese yet, I guess. I mean, this is, uh, well, this... This is, is non-debatable. Let someone suggest that we take a referendum in Hong Kong mm. about whether Hong Kong should break away from China. I mean, that's, that's a non-starter right. in our case. This would be very intense. Or if, if, if the Taiwanese try to do something like that, if they say, let's get a then there must be very strong reaction from, from, uh, from, from Beijing. Yeah.
Jamie Oakley, thanks very much indeed. My pleasure.